Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Today is the second Sunday after Epiphany, or we could also call it the Sunday after the octave of Epiphany, because this Sunday stands in direct relation to Epiphany, the Feast of Epiphany, and its octave. Because the theme today, uh, we just heard in the gospel story, is one of a triplet of themes announced on the Feast of Epiphany itself. This is the antiphon for the Benedictus that we heard at morning prayer on Epiphany. Today, to her heavenly bridegroom is the church espoused. For as much as in Jordan Christ hath washed away her iniquities, sages with their offerings hasten to the royal marriage, and with water turned to wine, the guests are regaled. Alleluia. The sages, or wise men, with their gifts mentioned, uh, that's the theme of the Feast of Epiphany itself. The baptism of Christ in the Jordan is mentioned, that theme being the gospel on the octave or the eighth day of Epiphany. And the water turned to wine at the wedding is mentioned, that theme, of course, being in today's gospel. So what's really interesting in that antiphon is that the marriage feast slash wedding is actually the controlling theme uniting all three. Uh, But it's the wedding of church and bridegroom, making the church cleansed for the wedding by virtue of Christ's own baptism, The wise men are bringing their gifts as for the royal marriage. And of course, those in attendance at the marriage feast are regaled with the wine. The church has for centuries held these three themes together for the first days of the Epiphany season. But why? Well, the word Epiphany is the clue. In each of these stories, something about who Jesus is is revealed. Thus, Epiphany from the Greek epiphanian, meaning reveal. To the Magi from the East, i.e. to all the Gentiles, the infant Jesus is revealed through their gifts to be king, God, and sacrifice. At his baptism in the Jordan, he's revealed to be not just a God, but the son of the God, as the Father's voice proclaims. The baptism also reveals the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together and unified, and so is simultaneously a Trinitarian theophany, which is why the theme of baptism in the Eastern tradition, usually called theophany, uh, prevails. And then today, with his first miracle that he performs at the beginning of his ministry, as we heard, something of the power of Jesus is revealed, but also something of his character, his purpose, his priorities, his tenderness, and interestingly, his relationship with his mother. There's also something very down-to-earth about this Epiphany season and its themes. Of course, the whole reason we're celebrating the Epiphany of who Jesus is is because he came down-to-earth, as it were. And his first, moments revealed to the, uh, his first moments revealed in the world and to the world are described in very simple, earthy terms. His little form was wrapped in tight little cloths. He was laid in a pile of hay for farm animals to eat in the shelter of a cave in the earth, acting as a stable. And then just as the story seems to be getting less earthy and more worldly with descriptions of fantastical journeys of mystical foreigners and the palace intrigue in the court of a temporal ruler, of prophecies, of politics, then we're brought back to the more earthy themes of simple kneeling in front of a baby 
and presenting of material, earthy gifts. St. Matthew was able to relay this story about the gifts of the Magi almost certainly because Mary passed on this memory to him, to the church. She was the traditioner of this story. She was always pondering these things in her heart. That's how we know that she kept them with her. You can imagine as Mary sees these Eastern sages coming before her baby and opening these gifts up, uh, when they open up the gold, Mary perceives, remember, this is a woman who lives in poverty with a husband who is not wealthy at all. And they're literally, um, you know, they gave birth in a barn. <laughs> and all of a sudden, these, these magi are here, and they open a gift of gold, and she perceives a gift truly fitting for the rightful heir of David and the true king of all Israel. When they opened a container of incense, she would have known that, as everyone in the ancient world did, you properly burn incense before a god, or if you're Jewish, before the god. And so this container of incense is presented to Jesus, and she remembers um, how this child was made in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit and was to be called the Son of the Most High, as the angel said. And here is incense rightly being offered to God with us. But then as that third gift was opened, myrrh, essentially a burial spice, what pain may have pierced her soul in that moment? Three earthy substances, a metal and two fragrant resins, all revealing things about Jesus. But then in his baptism, water, of course, features very heavily, one of the most ubiquitous and intensely meaning-laden substances on earth, water is life. Water gives life to basically all creatures. It cleanses and washes. It can also be a source of chaos. The waters of chaos had to be separated for life to begin in the beginning. When the world had been flooded with sin, it was a water flood of decreation that God used as a reset. The hope of all humanity and for land creatures had to be rescued from the water with an ark. So when Jesus descended into the waters, he united and sanctified all the symbols of water in this action of his. Death, new life, and cleansing. And now, today, at this first miracle that he performs, Jesus uses water again to bring about a social healing. The embarrassment uh, that the hosts of this wedding would have felt and uh, the potential ostracizing would have been really difficult for them. And so, honestly, it was... A, a true act of tenderness. This, we might think, would be below Jesus, but Jesus came to the lowest places that any of us could go. So no, this miracle is not below him. So in his tenderness, he, he heals this situation for the sake of the joy of this wedding, but he also shows us something when water becomes wine at his will. He shows that he deigns to descend into all of the earthly realities that we know, but that he can also elevate those realities to higher functions. In water becoming wine, he's also giving us a pattern of him bringing the lower into the higher. He renews the meanings of these things and makes them fit for the purposes not just of heavenly kingdoms, but of the kingdom, I mean, earthly kingdoms, but of the kingdom of heaven. In the Mass, we even have water acting as a symbol of our humanity and the wine as a symbol of Christ's divinity. 
and how when these things are joined in his assuming of our humanity, we may assume his divinity. Listen to what the priest, Father Ben, will pray during the offertory. While we're singing, he'll be praying this as he mixes a little bit of water into the wine of the chalice. O God, who didst wonderfully create and yet more wondrously renews the dignity of human nature, grant that by the mystery of this water and wine, we may be made co-heirs of his divinity, who vouchsafe to be made partaker of our humanity. Isn't that fantastic? So in this early epiphany season, when gold and incense and myrrh and water and chalk and wine are brought before our minds in these gospel stories and in the actions of the church and in our own homes, we're assured that God has truly become incarnate, enfleshed for us, who felt these substances, smelled their fragrances, tasted their flavors, perceived their symbolic languages and meanings. God has entered this world that he created as a part of it now, to interact with it, in a way that no spirit, no angel ever has. Angels may know more about the laws and workings of the cosmos than we ever can, but they don't have retinas, and they don't have taste buds, and they don't have noses. Jesus does, though. And as there are so many things in these epiphany stories that reveal Jesus as God, they also reveal to us, lest we ever forget, that he is truly man also that everything you see, smell, touch, or taste today or ever is not beyond the experience of our God and Savior. As we continue in this liturgy today, praising God, offering ourselves mingled with our gifts of the simple substances of bread and wine on this altar, take comfort in and give thanks for the reality that in Jesus Christ, not only your soul, but also your body is redeemed today that your vision is redeemed as you behold the actions of the priest. Your hearing is redeemed as you listen to the prayers and the chants. Your smelling is redeemed as you smell the incense. Your voice is redeemed as you sing and pray. Your touch is redeemed as you kneel and stand and cross and handle and take water. Your taste is redeemed as you receive the sacrament of the Lord in your mouth. And when you go out from this place today, before your mind moves too quickly to the intrigues of the world, pause and remember your physical connections to the earth and give thanks to God for his incarnation and his epiphany. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God is one, amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.